You ever see a guy walking down the street, a guy and a girl together, and you think to yourself, now how did that happen? <laughs> Some of you get it. How did that guy? <laughs> I mean, you can put it in any order you want, but what happened there? And you know, on his face, it's just this... He hit the jackpot, right? Hit the lottery. And I can tell you, as one of those guys, the thing is, you're just grateful, right? It gives you a heart of thanksgiving. And when I think about my wife, when I think about our family, so many things in our lives, she is at the top of that thanksgiving list, one of the top ones. Now, you, you don't make it 32 years unless I'm on top of her list, too, so... You've got to have that part of it. But this is the time of year where we start thinking about all those things. The things that I'm grateful for. What am I thankful for in my life? We start taking an account of those things, right? It's beautiful. It's a beautiful built-in reminder um, uh, for us to pause and reflect on what we're grateful for. Now, so many of us get so busy that maybe we don't pause and reflect as we should. Um, and really, we should do that every day, right? We should do that all the time. Um, but a good place to start is with those that are closest to us in our lives, thinking about our family, our friends, our significant others, as opposed to the insignificant people in our lives. Um, but it can also be a depressing time. It can also be a difficult time, and it is for many, for many people, because for many, it's hard to, to see anything to be thankful for, maybe broken relationships, an empty job, maybe financial difficulties. Um, I remember one of my kids used to say, there's like this nostalgic feel around Christmas. I was like, yeah, he's like, it's not good. <laughs> I don't like it. But somehow it stirs up some nostalgic thoughts maybe that are not pleasant for you, right? But there is a place this morning where we can all find that attitude of gratitude, we can all find thanksgiving, and from which every other blessing flows, where our perspective of the temporary circumstances of this life are kind of put into perspective, and we need that. And that place is at the feet of Christ, because it's there that we find unconditional love. Love that's not going to come and go, but love that's demonstrated, that's reaching for you, it's reaching for me, it's active. It's where we can find strength. It's where we can find meaning and purpose in life. And most of all, in Christ, we can find grace to live this life and for eternity. So this morning, we're going to take a short diversion from our uh, message series that we've been in on Q&A with Christ, although there's plenty of questions and answers from Jesus about thankfulness. But I want to look at a passage of Scripture um, that points us to that place of thanksgiving and gratitude that I'm talking about, where we can all come this morning. And it's aimed at the true source of every blessing, like I said. And there are blessings in this passage um, that grow from there, that come from there, that flow from this focus on Christ and bringing our gratitude to Him. The passage is 1 Timothy chapter 1, and beginning in verse 12, and the Apostle Paul begins this whole passage with, I thank 
Him. Beginning in verse 12, I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent, insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with, faith, with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this passage, uh, Lord, that uh, such a demonstration of thankfulness, gratitude, aimed in the right place, focused in the right person of Christ, overflowing uh, to all of our lives. And I pray this in his name. Amen. So a little bit of background here. The author, the Apostle Paul, he has a pretty dramatic salvation story. He has a pretty dramatic introduction to Christ and his faith. Um, See, God brought Paul from being kind of the godfather of those who were hunting down Christians and killing them, and persecuting them. And Paul had a reputation of being a pretty ruthless guy in that respect. For example, when Stephen was stoned, Scripture tells us that those that were stoning him brought their coats and their cloaks and laid them at Paul's feet. Paul approved. He was watching over all of that. Paul had, had what's described in Scripture as a raging fury as he breathed threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. So here's this man who truly hated Christ. He hated the thought of that. He hated Christians and everybody associated with the Christian movement. But Christ came to him. Christ reached out to Paul and dramatically appeared to him on the road to Damascus and changed him forever. And from there forward, Paul had a new mission in life, a new calling, a new purpose to tell the world of the power and love of Jesus. And so Paul has a young protege in the ministry, Timothy, who this is written to. This letter is written from Paul to Timothy, giving him some instruction, some encouragement. And basically, Paul is telling young Timothy in this passage the attitude and outlook of life that is going to make him last for the long haul in ministry, through difficulty, through persecution, through hard times. Paul's writing to Timothy with wisdom on how to lead the church at Ephesus. And at the heart of it is a grateful, thankful heart. But it's not just general thankfulness, right? It's not just thankful that things worked out this year or that he got some good breaks, right? Or or gratitude that he had some good luck this past year and hopefully going forward. But notice in verse 12, he says, at the very beginning, he says, I thank him. See, Paul knew where his gratitude belonged. It belonged with Jesus who changed him, who met him, who called him out of this destructive life and called him 
to grace and mercy. A proper recognition of the fountain of our blessings, right? So Paul understands that where or better, uh, better who is the source and giver of every good thing, he knows that it is the Lord. James 1.17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. So first and foremost, Paul is aiming his gratitude in the right direction. I thank him. Have you ever done something for someone and then they thank somebody else for it? Right? Um, or someone thanks you for something you didn't do? It's frustrating. It can be confusing, frustrating. There's an there's a, uh, episode of Seinfeld called The Big Salad. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that. George buys a salad for Elaine, but he gives it to his girlfriend and she hands it to Elaine. And Elaine's like, thank you so much to the girlfriend. And George is so mad. Like, I bought the salad. You and I, it's important to bring our gratitude, our thanks to the right place. Our worship to the giver of every good gift. This season of Thanksgiving and every day, let's remember that there is one who is giving. The one true living God. He's giving and blessing through all of creation. We see it all around us. And at the pinnacle of it all, the crown jewel of it all, the greatest gift that seals us in the love of God for today, tomorrow, and eternity Jesus Christ. And so Paul is telling young Timothy where he brings his thankfulness, where he brings his gratitude. But also Paul is telling Timothy what he is thankful for. He's saying, when I'm down, I remember these things. When I'm joyful, I remember these things. No matter what the circumstances, even in the challenges of life, here is the reminder. Take it with you. Carry it with you, Timothy, because there will be struggle, there will be difficulty. So I just want to spend a few moments this morning looking through this passage at what Paul is thankful for and what we should be thankful for and what we can find in Christ. First of all is strength. In verse 12, he says, I thank him who has given me strength. Paul has been through some difficult trials. He has been put in prison. Um, he's, go he's headed for some difficult trials and he's been through some. He'd just been released from prison in Rome. So he knew difficulty. In Acts chapter 20, Paul writes this. He says, he's talking about um, the difficulty that he's faced and the persecution that he's faced. He said, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. But here's the key, verse 24. None of these things move me. See, in Paul's life, fear was not the motivation, right? He was not living in reaction. He was not hiding, ducking for cover and trying to, to uh, live his life in such a way where he was looking for the path of least resistance. I tell my kids all the time, don't live your life in reaction. Don't spend all of your time and don't let who you are be a reaction to something that's been done to you or something that you, you've seen or experienced Find that core. Live in such a way that you have a firm foundation. It's not dependent on your circumstances. Yes, we grow. We grow in our understanding. We grow in maturity. But when your strength is coming from Christ and the confidence that he gives, because I know that I am loved, right? I know that I'm forgiven. I know that I'm cared for no matter what in Christ. Then the world and others lose its power, lose their power over me. And I'm, not, I'm, no, I'm no longer running from anything or 
trying to find anything. I'm on solid ground in Jesus Christ. Christ gives me that solid ground. If we will look to him for that solid ground. See, Paul's life wasn't motivated by fear or despair or even the uncertainty because there was plenty of that in his life. And Timothy was headed for some some difficult times as well, right? He was uh, he was a leader of the church in Ephesus, which is was pretty wealthy, highly influential port city. He was going to get a lot of pushback from the people who were comfortable and didn't like this message that he was bringing. Didn't want to be challenged. Didn't want to be told they were sinners or broken or any of those things. He was going to get some very hard challenges. He would need strength that only Christ can give. He's not talking about physical strength, although in this day and age they were physically persecuted. But he's talking about that strength, that core confidence, that peace to keep going, that strength to keep going when the things around me fail. There's a, I don't want to give his name, but there's a, there's a rabbi who is known for uh, his writings and his self-help and kind of encouraging books uh, today. And one of his a quote uh, that he gives says this, If you concentrate on finding whatever is good in every situation, you will discover that your life will suddenly be filled with gratitude, a feeling that nurtures the soul. Now, when you read that, it seems like, yes, look for the good. I, I, that sounds awesome. The problem is, it's not always good. There's not always good to look at. There are times in your life where there's difficulty and struggle, and the only thing you can do is stare it dead in the face. You can't run from it. You can't get away from it. There's tragedy. Um, there's grieving. There's all those things, and there's no, there's no diverting my attention. But when my life is built on the solid rock of Christ, when I know that I am loved, I am cared for, I'm forgiven no matter what, I'm created in God's image, He's got me in the palm of His hand, then when the difficulty comes, that's okay. That's okay, because I know what the truth is. I know what my foundation is. doesn't mean it'll be easy, but it means even when the good can't be found, I am secure. And we all, we all need strength, and we all have go-tos for it, right? I remember my brother, when I went in the United States Air Force, in the military, I remember my, my older brother, we got in a big fight right before I left. And he basically said, you're never going to make it. You'll be back in a couple weeks. There's no way you're making it through basic training. He's like, you're, you're going to fail. You're going to wash out. You're going to quit. And I remember plenty of times sitting on my bunk in basic training and, and hearing him say that when I wanted to quit and be like, ain't no way I'm quitting. <laughs> ain't no way I'm going home to him. Um, but sometimes... I do fail. Sometimes we all fail. And if my strategy for life and for strength is that I'm going to show somebody or I'm going to I'm going to bow up and what happens when I fail because I will. When I what happens when I succeed is it produces pride, right? But when I fail it makes things even worse and I get resentful, I get bitter because it's all based on my circumstances. Our strategies for finding strength and perseverance are limited apart from Christ. And they can even be destructive, lead to pride and arrogance or bitterness and resentment. Because everybody and everything fails but Christ. There's good news. Isaiah 40 
says this, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. That's who God is. So we find our strength in the Almighty God, who is our creator, who sees the future, who sees our past. And we surrender to him. We trust in him. It produces humility. It produces empathy. The strength of Christ in me is steadfast. I'm I'm no longer trying to prove my worth. I'm no longer trying to prove myself. I found that in Christ. And now I'm free to love. I'm free to, to be loved. And not only can I find comfort in it, but those around me benefit from it. When I'm secure as a child of God, when I'm secure in my relationship with Christ, it's a benefit to my, my wife, to my children, to my family and friends because I'm not in conflict with them trying to prove myself or defend myself. I'm not trying to stand my ground. It's not that I get, get pushed around or any of those kind of things. It's that my, my security is in Christ. My strength is in my God-given Blessing, which is, number one, created in God's image. Number two, redeemed and held onto by Jesus. And the Holy Spirit lives within me. And so I'm not a self-seeking survival strategy walking around considering myself first. It's the Holy Spirit living in me. The very presence of Christ in me, sustaining, encouraging me in the struggle. And even in death. Remember, Job said, though he slay me, I will trust in him. The things of this earth that attack us and that we get so obsessed with, if we will, if we will be freed from that, that's what Jesus does. He frees us from finding our value and our strength in the things around me. It's in my relationship with him, a personal relationship. That's what Jesus brings. And so my question is, what is your source of strength this morning? Listen, if it's anywhere or anyone but Christ, it is shifting sand and one day it will feel solid and the next day it'll be washed away with the storm. So let me encourage you, fix your eyes on him. I was watching a video this uh, past week of uh, when the pandemic hit. I walked around with a, with a selfie stick uh, through the neighborhood. And uh, why is that funny? That's a thing, right? <laughs> Well, there was a phone on it. I wasn't just uh, waving a selfie stick around. Anyway, I walked through the neighborhood just to show people that don't live here what it was like in New York City. And it was a ghost town. I remember walking up and down Broadway and all over the place. And it was just, it was so eerie. It was weird. But it, it caused me to remember in the middle of that, finding my strength in Christ, spending time in prayer. You know, in the middle of that pandemic, everything was taken Every physical thing, the things that we trust in, relationships, um, work, um, interaction with one another, stuff that I have, my health, all of that was, was taken. And I was reminded that when my, my hope is in Christ, in the middle of that pandemic, I remember sitting over in Central Park looking at the trees and praying and saying, you know what, I still have everything. 
I still have everything, even though, even though I buried loved ones through that pandemic. My, my hope, my strength, my peace was secured in Christ. Paul is saying, Timothy, if you're going to make it, if you're going to have joy, you're going to have to remember that Christ is at work giving you strength beyond your own strength. And none of us are immune to struggle and pain. We will all experience it. It rains on the just and the unjust. There will be tragedy. We'll all, we'll all sit beside deathbeds. We'll all experience injustice and persecution, unfairness. He's telling Timothy, there's going to be deacons and church committees in your life. There's going to be business meetings. You're going to have difficult times. The way to make it through, the way to stay steadfast is to discover and lean on that relationship with Christ when I know his love for me. But not only that, but secondly, Paul is thankful that he's been given purpose in life through Christ. Verse 12, he says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. See, in spite of Paul's past, in spite of all that he's been through and all that he's done, says in verse 13, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, in spite of all that, God had a purpose for him. Now, Paul, like I said, Paul was a bad guy at one point. In verse 15 in this passage, he said, Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. In the, in the King James Version, he says, I am the worst. What Paul is talking about first and foremost is that God came to him. Jesus came to him in the midst of his worst moments, his worst days, his worst brokenness, his worst rebellion. He came to him. Even though all of that was true, God judged him faithful. How is that? It says I was a blasphemer, the worst. I was persecuted. I was an insolent opponent of Christians. How is that? That doesn't seem like very good judgment by Jesus by picking this guy, right? The way that he found him faithful, the way that he found him worthy was not because of his acts of kindness or goodness or any of those things. Because of Jesus, Romans 3, 23 and 25. This is Paul writing. He said, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. He's been redeemed by Christ, not by anything he's done. He's been justified because of the grace and redemption that came through Christ Jesus. So he redeemed Paul's life. But not only did he redeem it, but he gave him a calling and a purpose and a mission in life. You and I were created for purpose. You're wired the way that you are in a lot of ways with purpose. Purpose for my life is far beyond, that Christ has for me is far beyond anything that I could plan or get for myself it's a higher purpose my son uh, my oldest son Stephen is going in the Air Force now um, and he is he was called me the other day they fill out a dream sheet it's a dream sheet you put like your you look at the job listings and you just put like you pick like five or six jobs that you'd want to do kind of put them in the order right you fill out that dream sheet a lot of us are going through life that way we're just trying to figure out, okay, what is the best path? What can I do? What am I able to do? What do I like to do? How can I make this happen? How can I make that happen? Listen, 
God has created you with a purpose. He's given you abilities. He's given you gifts. He's given you um, himself, his image. And he has a plan for you. But most of us are just kind of filling out a dream sheet and just see what comes. Not that God can't work through that. I, work, I filled out a dream sheet when I went in. But God has a pathway for you, a purpose in your life. He may use that dream sheet. He may use uh, anything that's happening in your life right now. He may use something completely different. But when I surrender control to him, he has people and places that he wants to lead you and me to. Otherwise, I'm nearsighted. I'm just taking the path of least resistance or what makes the most sense to me. I'm just, I'm just here to tell you that I've been on that pathway for years as a young man. And then when Christ got a hold of my life, gave me purpose and meaning, everything changed. Now, some of you are sitting there going, well, I don't want to do what you're doing, so <laughs> maybe I won't. It's not, it's not about that. Paul made tents also. God's not calling you necessarily just to be a missionary or a preacher or on staff at a church. He's calling you to live life to the fullest, surrender to him, allowing him to lead your path. The beautiful thing about the love that God has for you and I is that that even when I'm confused, even when I'm lost, he calls, he draws. He's working in and around us to bring us to himself, to bring us closer to him and to lead us in his plan for our life. Paul had his own plan, right? He was the best at it. He was the godfather of torturing the Christians. He could find them anywhere and he could take care of them. But that's not what God's plan was for him. Sometimes you think, well, I'm great at this. Well, that's not necessarily what God has wired me and has for my life. He had charisma. He was a natural leader. He could draw a crowd. But all of that was wired into Paul for something more, not for what he was applying it to. But on his own, he was like a blind man like, like most of us, without Christ, we're just swinging a sword in the, in the darkness, looking for what we can hit, looking to find value and purpose in life, right? Timothy, remember, this is not your life. Keep your eyes on Christ and be encouraged that you can be confident that God is faithful in accomplishing his purposes in you and through you. Now listen, when you're walking with the Lord, when you're surrendering to him, you can be confident. When things get difficult, when things get uncertain, I always go back to God's call on my life. The fact that his promises say that he's with me. His word says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And I look in my past and I see how God has come through over and over again, even in difficulty, even in hardship. He's given me a peace that passes understanding. So Christian, this morning, if you're struggling, if you're in a phase right now where you're not sure what's happening or what's going on, remember, remember where he's brought you from. Remember when he was faithful. He's still faithful. We're just limited in what we can see. Proverbs 16, 9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I remember struggling in my life with purpose. I remember I was in the Air Force. I went to college. I thought I was going to play sports. I was at the gas company. Real, Very practical things that I was just kind of struggling. Everything was about that next thing I was going to get, that next job. You know what? If I get this next one, I'm, you know, I remember standing around the cigarette butt can in, in, the, in the military, and everybody it was the same conversation day after day. I wonder what, I'm, what are you going to do next? I'm, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to do something. I'm, I got big plans. But it wasn't until Jesus grabbed hold of my life that I realized this bigger plan that God had for me was calling. J- 
Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So let me encourage you today. Be thankful as you, as you think about it this week, today. Be thankful that God will give, that Christ gives us strength. He's holding on to us even when we can't hold on to him. He's giving us strength and he has a plan for you. He does not leave you. He will not abandon you. He says that in his word. Trust him today. I'm thankful when I reflect on all that God has done in my life. My prayer is always that I wouldn't mess it up, right? I'm always afraid that I'm going to make the wrong choice and the wrong decision. But, but Christ has called us to trust in him, to surrender to him, and he will guide our steps. He puts his arms around us and doesn't let go and leads us. But finally, so he gives us, uh, Paul is saying, I'm thankful for the strength that Christ gives me. I'm thankful for the purpose, plan for my life. And finally, one of my favorite words in the world, and we sang about it a few minutes ago, he gives us grace. In Jesus, there is grace. Verse 13 and 14, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. Paul says, I know I was doing the wrong thing. I, I was paying attention to the wrong thing. My life was a mess, but I was shown mercy. Verse 14, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Grace makes all the rest of this possible. Grace keeps your heart beating when you're asleep. Grace wires our bodies the way that they're wired. Grace, we look all around us. It's called common grace, right? That's what theologians would call it. Common grace to all of us. We can look around at creation. God is a gracious, loving God. I think I mentioned this last week. He could, have made, he could have made the world just gray, but he put all this beautiful color in it for us. It's beautiful. God has shown us grace, but most of all, in Christ, we see God's grace. In verse 16, he said, But I received mercy for, for this reason, that in me, as the, the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul had basically done everything that he could. He called himself the worst sinner. Everything that he could to offend God. And yet God extended mercy. That's who God is. That was Christ's mission. That's the whole mission of Jesus is to demonstrate the love of the Father. Even for those who whipped and spat on Jesus and nailed him to the cross. You remember, as Jesus hung there between God and man, what did he say? He said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow, mercy and grace, that is our God. And he extends it to you and to me every single day, every one of us. I'm thankful for that grace today. And God's grace is different than the grace you and I will find in this world. Interesting, when he says, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with, faith, with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? I get the grace, but how does it overflow with the faith and love? First of all, these are the agents of the change in my life. These are the key ingredients in my life. But grace covers all of those things. He says, grace, the grace of God overflowed to me, extended to me. But faith and love um, that are in Christ Jesus, those are the actual ingredients of that newness. These are the tools of the trade that God uses to move in your life and in mine, is faith 
and love. The ability to have faith, the ability to love, all of this is by God's grace to me. The fact that you're hearing the message this morning, the fact that you and I have the opportunity to respond in faith is a gift from God. And then in that, I can live a life in faith and love. I have the ability now to live that way. I can have faith and I can love God and I can live that way towards my fellow man without strings attached because that's how I've been loved. Once you experience the love of Christ, you can, we can live that way. All of that is a gift, so I'm thankful for it. Unearned, undeserved. So this morning, if you're unsure that you have that faith and love, not sure if you believe in that grace, first of all, the fact that you are asking the right questions, the fact that you are listening is God's grace working in you, whispering to you. But he calls us to faith. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This past week, I rented a U-Haul trailer and I was taking it back uh, to the place down in Chelsea and I pulled up to this gas station and there's this guy out front dancing. He worked at the place, but he was being all goofy out front dancing. He was in a, a great mood. And he, I pulled up and he came. And he's like, how much do you want? You want gas? I was like, sure. So he started putting a thing in there and I was like, $10. He's like, $10? I said, yeah, just the bare minimum. I'm returning this truck. I, I just want to give them right what they gave me. And he thought that was funny. He's like, what do you do? Like, Here we go. Um, I'm a pastor. What is that? What is that? Um, come to find out, he's, he's um, Hindu and hasn't been in the country long and uh, he was very, he didn't really know what that was. He's like, what, what, is, what is a pastor? Like, tell me what that is. And I tried to explain him, you know, and finally I was just like, I teach the Bible, you know. Oh, okay, okay. So like a priest? I was like, um, a little different. Um, but you're on the right path there, you know. I'm just, you know, I'm a pastor. Um, and he said, uh, oh, that's good. You're doing good work, man. I don't believe in God. I was like, oh, Okay. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> he said, uh, and he was forcing me to have this conversation with him. He was drawing it out of me. I was like, he's like, yeah, yeah, my mother, she tells me I should go to temple and all those things. But I go to temple and really, I can pray. I can do all that stuff. But I don't, like, deep down inside, I, I think it's silly, you know. I was like, oh, okay, easy now. <laughs> uh, no, he's like, I think it's silly, you know, but I think it's great, you know, you do that, you know. I was like, oh, okay, well, you know. And then he got quiet for a second. He goes, tell me one thing. Give me one sentence. Give me your best thing from being a pastor. Tell me. I was like, okay. Uh, what's the best thing I got? I said, John 3.16. God so loved Sing. His name was Sing. Was, God so loved Sing that he gave Jesus that you, you should not perish but have everlasting life. And he was like, Oh, well, what is what is that? You know, start start explaining to him the gospel. So we're all broken, man. You're broken. I'm broken, and God sees us in our brokenness. He loves us. He doesn't want us to be that way. And so He sent Jesus to build a bridge to pay for the things that I've done that is sinful, the things that I've rebelled against Him, the things that I've hurt other people in my life, and I've done the wrong things. I've made the wrong choices, and God is perfect and holy. And so it's not just a like, okay, just let it go. No, this is like He's just. And he's perfect, so he can't just let it go. And so he wanted me not to 
not to perish. So he gave Jesus, you know, and sent him. And he's like, yeah, no, no, I don't believe anything like that. He's like, you know, I look at other religions like Hindu and Muslim and you pray. You have to pray so much to make to please God, you know, and you say prayers after prayers after prayers. You go to the temple, all this thing. You know, Christians, you have to pray and pray and pray. And I, you got to go to church. And I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I said, I don't have to go to church another day in my life. And I'm a, I'm a Christian. He's like, well, to please God, you know. I said, nope, that's not that. That's what Jesus did. He he paid for my sin. He made me right with God. Now, I don't have to earn it anymore, but he changed me. I said, I can tell you, the guy that you're talking to right now is not the guy 20 years ago that I was, but he changes me, begins to change me, but it's from the inside out. I mean, he wanted it, so I just gave it to him. And he goes, but how do I believe? Like, how do I believe that? I don't believe it, but I, I want to believe, but how do I believe? And I said, Man, let me just tell you, there was a time in my life where I didn't believe and I just prayed. And I said, God, I knew there was something. I want to believe, God. I want to know the truth. Please tell me the truth. Show me the truth. I said, and he did. That's grace. The fact that I wanted to know the truth. I told him, I said, the fact that you want to know the truth, that's something in you. That's the grace of God whispering to you. And at that point, he was just staring me. He had been dancing all over. He was standing at my window, just like staring dead in my face. And I was like, you can have that, man. That's security. And he said, and then the thing popped. He's like, oh. So he got the gas, and I said, God bless you, man. I didn't have a card or anything. But. So I went away, and I was just praying for him all day, you know, for saying. But that's the grace of God. God will speak to your heart. God leads us. Listen, if you're a Christian here this morning, remember when God grabbed a hold of you. You know, a lot of the Christian message is silly. It's like, what? He died on, and then rose from the grave? And the, I mean, what? The only way that you believe is when the Spirit of God convinces you. Not me. I can say all the smart things. Not that I do, but I can say all kinds of stuff. It's not going to convince you until the Spirit of God confirms it in your heart and in your mind. And you can pray. Ask God to lead you. Ask God to open your eyes to that it's it's all by God's grace it's also his grace that he doesn't bully his way into your life it's his grace he gives you freedom but that very freedom that you have was not given that you would turn away from him but that we would choose to love him that's what love is we choose to love him and to trust him for redemption for strength for a relationship that's what it is. So this morning, I pray that you're thankful for those things. I pray that your eyes are fixed on Jesus. And when you're spending time um, walking through the park or in time in prayer, remember that God is gracious and reaching out to you day after day, not dependent on your, your good works. It seems like gratefulness, real thankfulness has been something that's kind of decreased over the past few years because we, get, we look around at the pain and suffering. We think, ugh. You know what? I'm going to do it myself. I'll handle this myself. And so that makes us less grateful. Even the thought of it has become a little bit like, what? I don't, I don't, I don't need to be grateful or thankful. But listen, that vulnerability is safe in, in Jesus' hands. Faith, trust, and gratefulness. Rely on God and on his power. So as you pause this Thanksgiving, um, think about what you're thankful for. I pray that it would go beyond the temporary things that come and go, beyond the things that I just earn and get. This maybe is a better year, maybe it's not. 
Fix your eyes on Christ. Don't just be thankful for something you have, but maybe someone across town doesn't have or someone who has had less opportunity or born in a more difficult place they may not have. What good is it being thankful for the things I can earn? There's people all around me that are suffering and hurting and even don't have the ability at times to earn that. What kind of God would that be? God has extended his grace beyond all of that. That we can all, Jesus said, faith like a child. Even a child could believe. He can give us peace and hope even in the difficult circumstances. And I can know that I am loved. I don't know if I should share this little story, but there's a funny little story. I'll close with this. I was up in the Rocky Mountains in Colorado, and a friend of mine and I were there, and we went up on, it was like Pikes Peak or one of those things, one of those mountains that was really high, and there's like tundra up there, right? It takes thousands of years to grow, even just a little fuzz on the ground. And we were up there, and my buddy, and he's a, he, I didn't do this, he did it. He disappeared. He went around behind this rock. There was this overlook, and there were people there. We were looking out. He went around and was using the restroom (laughs) over there behind this rock. And he's walking on the tundra, and it's like a no-no. And but the lady, there was a lady there, and she goes, "What are you doing?" She started screaming at him. "What are you doing?" He was like, "Oh," he came back, and and she was like going off on him, just going off. And she said, she said something that was so interesting. She said, "You are stepping on my soul." I mean, I got the, you know, in, inappropriate, shouldn't do it. You are stepping on my soul. And I thought to myself, how sad is that? How sad is that? that, that that's my value. That She saw that as everything. At the core of who she was, you're stepping on my... It's like the Bible talks about that. It says that we, we begin to worship the created rather than the creator. And God is calling us this morning to fix our eyes on him. Be thankful. Be grateful. Receive, number one, receive what he offers, and that is grace and love, the greatest gift of all. I remember we were up there for a little while longer, and I put, there was this one spot. It is beautiful. It's breathtaking up there. And I took a couple little rocks, and I put them there on the ground as an altar. I know that sounds goofy. But in Bible, you'll see this called Ebenezer's. It's like the altar of remembrance. I just put them right there, and I just said a prayer. I was like, God, thank you. Thank you for this beautiful creation. May we be good stewards of it, for sure. But thank you. I I know that you are the giver of every good thing. So let me encourage you today. Fix your eyes on Christ. Be thankful for what Christ, who he is and what he's done. And be thankful. You can have strength today no matter what you face. You can hold on to hope. God has a purpose for you. He has meaning for your life and for eternity beyond the grave. And all of it's covered in grace. All of it is offered in grace through faith in Christ. And what he's done and he's doing in my life. And let's be thankful today for a love that never fails. It never leaves. It always pursues. And it never gives up. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and mercy and love, compassion, for us, Lord, it's hard to grasp that the, the king of the universe would, would bend his ear to hear us, to hear our prayers and our, and our praises. Even, even harder to comprehend that you would send your son, you would send a sacrifice to redeem us 
because you knew that we could not redeem ourselves. And so, God, this morning, I pray for each one here that their hope and their strength would be found in you, the unchanging love and grace through Christ that you've offered to us, that you've given for us. And uh, thank you for purpose and, and meaning in life, the ability to live a life to the fullest. And, uh, Lord, may we live that way. May we live in such a way that the world around us are benefactors of that faith. Um, and, Lord, help us to be thankful in every situation, every circumstance, um, because we're standing on the rock of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. A um, couple things real quick. I'll let you go. Um, what Connect card. If you haven't filled out a connect card on that table out there, just give us your name, a couple little things. Uh, we'd love to get to know you more and reach out and say hello. Also, we have a website and an Instagram. Get on there and follow us. What else is here? Oh, get the app. We're doing everything through the app now. We have a little church app. Ask somebody. They can tell you how to get on there. Our announcements, events, a calendar, all that stuff. You can give on there as well. See that homepage? There's a thing that says giving. You click on there. You can give. Uh, all right, go ahead to the next thing. And then we have a uh, night of praise and thanksgiving. That's right. Hudson's gone, so I had to put that slide together. And so if it doesn't, it doesn't look good, that's just the way it goes. Um, but Tuesday night, this Tuesday night, we're going to gather here at 7 p.m. And we're going to have a night of just, just singing music. We'll have some prayers. We're also going to have Lord's Supper. Uh, so I uh, want to encourage you to remember uh, on that night as well what Christ has done. And so uh, we always have a good time. We've had a few of these. And uh, you don't have to listen to me preach. You can, we can just enjoy that together. And giving, if you want to hit that QR code um, and give your tithes and offerings there. Um, and, um, yeah, so pray that you have a great week. If I don't see you before Thursday, be thankful, first and foremost, for Christ and, and, um, and all of his blessings. Let's pray. God, thank you for um, forgiveness of sins. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you that you show us grace, uh, uh, not for nothing, but to restore us to you and so that you might demonstrate through our lives your patience, your love, your kindness. And so, Lord, may we be aware that you are working through us and in us um, to uh, make our homes a better place, make our neighborhoods a better place, make our nation and our world um, a better place, not because of us or our good goodness or good works, but because you're working through us. Um, and so, Lord, thank you for extending your grace to us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.